So let's get into the Word today. <laughs> Before I do, though, I do want to say, uh, me and Jen want to say, thank you for all the gifts and the uh, cards and the, uh, the trinkets and the cool, the, what are those called? The mug rugs. I never got a mug rug, so now I have a huge coffee cup that can probably have six cups of coffee in, so I'm not going to be set. But um, thank you for the, uh, all the great stuff and gifts. Very thoughtful. We are very thankful. And we just want you to know that you guys made us feel loved with that basket. That was pretty cool. So thank you so much for all your thoughts and kindness. And I know Dee and, and Ashley, uh, Cashley. <laughs> no, I was just telling, we were telling someone how to remember your name. And so we said, just remember Ashley, but then Cashley. So, but, yeah. But thank you for all the thoughts and, 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 and love that you guys put into that. Um, also, don't forget that um, this Thursday night is our vision night. <laughs> and if, you're, if this is your church, um, you're going to want to be here this Thursday night. Please make every effort to attend. If you have to adjust your schedule, please do so. It's going to be a potluck style. We're going to come. We're going to fellowship, have a good time. But we're going to talk about the future of this church and the fact that we, we may be moving out of this building. And there's a lot of stuff we need to talk about as a family. And I want everyone to be there because we're going to have a good time talking about what God has for us in the future. And so it's an exciting time. God's really doing some stuff. He's giving us um, uh, godly uh, uh, appointments, right, Bob? We got some, me and Bob got some godly appointments that we weren't expecting this week where we went to look at a place and we found another guy that talked to us about another place. So God's giving us, you know, his spirit is leading and he's, he's go, he goes before us, right? Aren't you glad that he's already been through this day for you? He's ready, he's waiting, he's preparing for a place for you, not just in heaven, but like a good shepherd goes into the field before the sheep, your Lord goes before you. And so you don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to be afraid of what happened. Even though it might look scary, he's there with you and he'll help you walk through that. So don't be afraid. God's with you. Amen? <clears throat> Amen. So I want to talk today about um, response to suffering. We've been talking a lot about what God is really like. And, and again, uh, we, might be, we might be on this the rest of the year. I don't know. Probably. I'm having a good time. The more I think about what God is really like and what the world thinks he's like and the drastic uh, empty space between makes you really go, oh my goodness, the, these people don't know what God is really like. When I have friends that don't know Jesus and they're in the world and they have no clue, they don't even know the story of Noah and they don't know basic Bible stories, they don't know anything about God, there's such a huge gap between their knowledge of what they think God is like and what God is really like. And guys, the, the main purpose of sending Christ was to bring back people, the, especially Israel first, then everybody, but to bring back Israel to knowing what their father was like because what had happened is they had been so long out of intimacy with Christ and closeness to God that they had drifted so far off. <laughs> Anyone ever drifted off the road? Everyone, anyone been in a lake like on a, or a, a pool where you're, on, you're laying on a, a floaty thing and you're kind of just relaxing and then you wake up and you're like, whoa, how did I get so far offshore? Or, you know, I used to do that when I was a kid. Anyone like, does anyone like the beach? Boogie board, any boogie boarders in the house today? Any body surfers in the house today? I loved to, man, I grew up in Orange County, so I got, my mom took me uh, to the beach all the time. She was a beach junkie and, and uh, me and my friend, we used to boogie board. And what would happen is there would be a current uh, you know, a natural current in the, on the, in the ocean and, and the riptides would come out and the waves would come in and we'd boogie board and my mom would be down here and we'd go right out in front of mom and start riding waves, you know. But then after an hour, we'd be like, where'd mom go? She used to be right there. And then we'd be like almost a mile down the, the shore because slowly when we came out and the waves took us in, we slowly drifted down and we found ourselves somewhere totally unfamiliar, not even recognizing what it was like at that place. And so we had to go back and walk down and find mom and Israel lost their sight of who God was. They lost sight of what he was like. They lost sight of the, the, his majesty and his compassion and his love and, and his mercies and his tenderness. And they, they got so caught up in traditions and rules and regulations. They had rules for rules for rules. They were, uh, the Pharisees were the rule followers of all followers to the extent where they negated the actual word of God. 
<laughs> where they actually got so far into their rules that it took them away from what God wanted them to do. And so Jesus came at a time and said, look, I, I have come to bring you back. I've come to bring you back and really show you. I am the, Jesus said, he's the exact representation of God. He's the son of God. He is the exact representation of God. The fullness of God was in Christ. He was fully man, right, but fully God in the flesh. And so he showed us what God was like. In fact, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So in that, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look a little bit, firstly, about what, why this is so important, about really knowing what God's like. And we're going to look at it, and, and you know, chapter 5 in Matthew is interesting because it starts with, into the Beatitudes, and it starts a, a long dialogue of, of Jesus teaching and preaching to the, to the people. <laughs> and um, I, want to, I want to take a look at uh, verse 17. So turn to Matthew 5, 17, and... Uh, uh, just that whole chapter there is is a very great chapter. In fact, it'd be a good chapter for you to meditate if you, uh, if you need something to read. Matthew five, just read through there, and and it really uh, highlights stuff about Jesus trying to bring us back to the heart of God. And what Jesus said is was interesting in, in verse seventeen. He said this. He said, "Do not think, Jesus talking. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets." I want to stop right there because don't you hear Christians say a lot, oh, that's Old Testament. It don't matter no more. I don't have to do that. And yeah, there's some stuff in the Old Testament that stopped at the cross, right? There are some stuff in the Old Testament that flowed through, right through the cross, totally unchanged. And then there's some stuff that met the cross from the Old Testament and transformed and morphed into something new and better and different and deeper. And so you have to understand that not everything in the Old Testament is exactly the same in the New Testament, but a lot of people think that, oh, I don't have to give, you know, the tithe is Old Testament, I don't have to tithe anymore, I'm free to do whatever I want. Well, yeah, that's true, and there's some not true there. So it was changed and morphed, and we can talk about that another time, but there's a lot of things that have uh, changed through the cross. But Jesus says, do not, uh, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. He said, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He was fulfilling the law in its completeness, which means some of the law still comes in with that. Some of it is stopped. Some of it is changed. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth is passed away, not an iota or a dot will pass from this law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, those were the people that were making all these rules for rules for rules and going overboard and out of God's will, uh, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Christ came to fulfill the law and bring a new. He came to change and to bring us back and to show us what the Old Testament, all that was really about. And it was everything in the Old Testament, no matter where you go, in some way, fashion, shape, or form, points to the Messiah. It points. In fact, when you read Acts, if you're reading through us with your journals, we're in the book of Acts, and Paul says over and over, he went into the temple and through the Old Testament scriptures showed them who, that Jesus was the Messiah. So it was all pointing to him. And then I want you to skip down to verse 21, because in the same dialogue that Jesus is preaching, he says an interesting phrase. He says in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old. He says, you've heard that it's been said this way. And he does a few things right in a row with this phrase in the beginning. You've heard it said this way. And it's interesting because he's kind of bringing correction right there. You know, he says, look, you've heard it said, the, the, the scribes, your teachers of the law are saying, this is what it says in the Old Testament, this is what you should do, and Jesus says, look, look at what he says in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders is liable to judgment. But I say to you, underline that, but I say to you, Jesus was bringing correction, clarity, depth fuller meaning to this. He says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. Whoa. So he takes something of the Old Testament, which is thou shall not murder, right? Is that still a viable rule that we should probably follow? Okay. So yeah, so not all the Old Testament is gone, right? Okay. Just want to check. So murder is still a bad thing. And Jesus says, you know, you've heard it said that don't murder, but now I'm saying to you, if you have an angry heart or you have evil thoughts towards your brother, you're liable to the judgment of murder. 
So he, he took something of the Old Testament and kept it and fulfilled it and made it deeper and more into the heart of man because that's where the, everything dwells right here. In the heart of man comes out all these things that uh, he talked about in a later chapter where evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, all this evil stuff comes out of the heart. So Jesus brought it down to the heart. And then if you look down in verse 27, it says the same thing. You've heard it said. So Jesus is bringing back, showing the, 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 the people what God is really like. You shall not commit adultery. You've heard it said. That's the Old Testament rule, right? Commit adultery, you get killed. He said, but, it, but I say to you, I'm bringing more to it. I'm fulfilling it. I'm, I'm helping you understand fully the heart of God that if you lust in your heart for another person or woman, in this case, you've committed adultery in your heart. Are you, are you with me, guys? So God, is through Christ, is transforming and taking deeper, more richer what the Old Testament is, and he's fulfilling it. So he's not abolishing it, but he's fulfilling it. And then he goes on, does the same thing with divorce, and, and he goes on to a lot of other teaching there too. But I wanted to get that in your hearts, that Jesus came to, you heard it said, but this is what I'm saying. And so that part of Jesus uh, revealing what God is really like. <coughs> Excuse me. So we've been talking about Job, and we've been learning some stuff about what God's really like through Job, and I want to propose this question to you, uh, you know, this morning, because I know, does anyone have any bad stuff happen in the last month? Anything bad stuff, just junky stuff, irritating, yeah, a few. So what do you do when bad stuff happens? You know, because that's a great question talking about Job, right? I mean, Job got messed up. I mean, Job lost everything. Man, he lost, well, he didn't lose his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his servants. He lost his house. He lost all kinds of property and, and animals and, and just got wiped out. Then he got super sick. He got so sick on his skin that he was taking a broken piece of pot and wipe, scraping off the sores because they were so bothersome to him and painful. So we got to answer the question, well, what do we learn from Job when when bad stuff happens, when, when suffering comes in. Remember what we said about suffering? There's different forms of suffering, right? There's suffering for the, the sake of Christ, right? So a lot of people, you know, not many of us in this room have really suffered for Jesus. Some may have, but most Christians really don't suffer that much for Jesus. A lot of us, though, Christians, we suffer because we are reaping what we've sowed. Right? We talked about that as a kind of a revelation. And then there's another point of suffering, which just comes from living in a world that is still partially under the domain of hell, and that we live in a world that is on a decaying measure. It is breaking down, that this world that we see now will come to an end and will be destroyed, and God's going to make all things new. So there's, we suffer sometimes for just being on this planet. In ways, are you with me? So there is different types of suffering, but what we learn from Job, <clears throat> and what we can learn from Job, is what do you do when this stuff happens? What should you do? What what happens when bad stuff comes? Well, I want to give you a couple steps, and then we're going to look at a few lessons that Job did and he learned. The step number one is uh, kind of made me laugh when I thought of it. Don't wait until bad stuff happens. So what do you do when bad stuff happens? Don't wait until it happens to prepare yourself to walk through bad times. If you wait and you're just waiting around living your life, doing what you want, and, you, and, you, and bad stuff jumps in your face, you may not be ready for it. So my, my implore to you is to say, look, guys, don't wait till it happens. Closeness to Jesus is the key to be ready for whatever comes your way closeness to Christ. When we looked at that diagram last night and we looked at the triangle and the, remember the hose pressure, the, the, the funnel, funneling down where you get in the presence of God and all the pressures of life focusing us in on that, <clears throat> I want to encourage you guys, the best way to be ready for when bad stuff happens is to not wait until it happens, but prepare yourself now. You are promised bad times. You know they're coming. If you've lived a, a few days, you know bad stuff happens. So you've got to be prepared and ready for that. If you're not ready, it's going to take you by surprise and cause all kinds of problems in your life. Uh, preparation. Preparation is the best tactic for this. Preparation, being prepared and knowing Christ, being close to him so that you will know. that the, the Bible says in John, it says, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And I believe as, as you spend time with God daily, 
Because really, we can do church and we can preach and we can do all the things that church stuff does. But the, if you're not spending time with Jesus and having a personal relationship, all that other stuff is meaningless. And so as you spend time with Christ and, the Holy, and you begin to learn the Spirit's voice, you begin to learn, you begin to learn the, the unctions of God where he'll impress you to go a certain way or even drive down a different road or he'll impress you to talk to somebody uh, the, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you, and you will walk, because God walks before you, you'll be ready for the trials of life. When they come your way and you're close to God, that's a good place to be, amen? So be, be ready for that. Don't wait till it happens, but get ready now. And there's ways you can do that. You, getting close to God, um, being uh, uh, in the Word, um, knowing the Word uh, strong, um, praying in the Holy Spirit, uh, being so close that you're, you're so good at recognizing His voice when something bad happens, because when, when bad stuff happens, it's a dangerous time in your life. And we'll talk about that next. Step two. Step two is don't isolate yourself. So when, when things happen in life, when, when, when suffering comes or whatever happens, whether it's, you know, you brought it on yourself or it's just because you live in this world or what have you, don't isolate yourself. And because, see, when, 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 a, when a traumatic event happens in your life, or, or it may not be super traumatic like a, you know, a losing a loved one or uh, something intense. It may be a, a lesser a traumatic event. But nonetheless, be on the lookout for lies because when you're in a, a, a susceptible time of tragedy or, or feeling down or depressed, maybe it's a breakup, maybe it's a job loss, maybe you're just whatever you're going through, and it can be a multitude of things, family issues, relational issues, that's the time when most Christians will let down their hedge and not be as alert as they should be. Because you would think when, when you're getting attacked, that's when you want to make sure all your walls are up and your armor's ready, right? So a lot of people, what happens is they're, you know, they get ready and all of a sudden they get, start getting attacked and then they, they get all depressed and they start going towards the things that feed them. For example, uh, something hard comes in your life and you, you run to the kitchen and start eating ice cream. Guilty. Uh, you, you know, some people run out and they, they want to hang around people that, are, they want to go party, they want to go binge watch TV. They want, they're looking for some type of escape. You know, they're escaping that, they're running, but they're running to the wrong things. And, and what happens in that is that you are, are very susceptible to the lies of the enemy. And remember, the enemy's a whole um, being, his whole ability, him and his kingdom, all changed at the cross, okay? So when the cross happened and Jesus died and, and rose again, uh, the, the enemy was stripped of all of his power, all the things that he had before the cross, which was a lot stronger and better, and that's one of the reasons it was a different time in the Old Testament. But at the cross, Jesus stripped him of power, and now the enemy's main, main thing he has is to get you to fall for a lie, Okay? That's his main strategy. Before, he had more, uh, more power and authority in this world. Now he has a lot less because when Jesus came, uh, he stripped him of all that. And, and what did Jesus do? Gave you and me authority. Gave you, you and me the power to walk as Christ walks and to do the things he did and even greater things. So we now have a th more, more authority and power over the enemy than ever because of Jesus, right? But you still got to be on the lookout because the, 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 the key, though, is that the way he gets power over you and gets authority over you is by what you believe. And he'll cast thoughts to you. He'll try and hook, line, and sinker you in to start thinking anti-biblical. And if you start thinking anti-biblical, you're going to start giving the enemy power in your life and influence. And the more you believe that is not true about God, yourself, and others— and the, the further you get away from the biblical standard of his word, you're gonna, you're, you give the enemy power and authority in your life to mess with you, jack you up, give you dreams at night, all kinds of stuff. You open a lot of doors. Are you with me? And I'm, I'm warning you in a sense because when you have suffering times or bad things happen and you're going through a trial, that's the time you got to be the most alert. And it's funny because a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians when bad stuff happens, they run to other things than to the heart of God and the feet of God. I'll give you a story right now. So this morning, uh, uh, the Lord just reminded me in worship and said, you need to share this. And so we, a lot of times when struggles come, we run to things that we shouldn't run to. Are, is anyone guilty of that? Are we? Okay, good. We're all, you're not, you're, you're perfect. Would you, here, will you just finish the message? <laughs> 
got to keep, uh, keep these young people in line. No. Um, so we, we run to stupid things. I, I've often gone through trials. In fact, when uh, you all know that I've divorced, and that was a big trial. And I remember at times going, what are you doing? You're, you're just watching movies. You're just, you're, you're just doing stuff that's not even spiritual. This, if any time, Doug, right now, you should be seeking God's throne, getting on your knees, crying out, getting in the Word, fasting and praying. And I'd find myself, because you get so beat down and you get frustrated and you get a little pressed and you're just like, man, this life sucks, man. I deserve an ice cream. You know, that's how I, that's how I think. Uh, I'm going to go... You know, do, you know, because now, shoot, I can't, you know, you can't do all the bad stuff. You know, I'm not going to go take drugs or go get drunk and, and all that. And so, but then I got to think of lesser evil things. <laughs> They're still evil. They just have a better mask on them, right? You know, and so you try and do that because you want to, you want to have some pleasure in your life because you're just sitting there and you're going through a hard time. And, and I was walking Sven this morning on our walk, it was dark, it was uh, before sunrise, and we're doing our regular route, and we're on this bike trail where it's kind of a green, green belt kind of thing, and <laughs> we're walking on that, and, and usually, so Sven, he's a Siberian husky, if you don't know that, and definitely sled bred, right? He's a sled dog, man. He is, he's built, I mean, innately to pull, right? And it kind of helps when you're trying to exercise, I probably don't, I, my heart rate doesn't get as be, good as it should, but, so he's a puller, and, and I weigh 240 pounds, so I mean, this, and this dog weighs, what, 60 pounds, but he pulls, like, strong, right, so, and he, and he always does, he pulls pretty strong, but it's fun, and, uh, you know, so we're walking, and he, he's consistently that way, we're walking down the trail, and he's doing his thing, sniffing stuff, and walking pretty strong, and, and, and all of a sudden, he slows up, and, and it looks like he, he's limping, I'm like, whoa, whoa, you know, that immediately alert, like something, what's wrong with you? Did nothing, nothing out of the ordinary happen? And so we're walking, and I'm like, hi, oh, he's walking, because usually I'm like, you know, pulling, and, you know, and, and he starts kind of like, like he's limping. I'm like, oh, man, what happened? And so about 50 feet up of realizing something was definitely wrong, I, I knelt down, and usually when you stop, he's like, Keep going. What are you doing? You're stopping. You know, keep going. And so when I stopped, he actually came back to me and kind of leaned on me. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And so I, I, I grabbed the paw that looked like he was favoring. And, I was kind of, and it was kind of dark still. And, okay, I don't feel nothing. And I, I was kind of, you know, putting my fingers around. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, maybe he's just whatever, stepped weird or whatever. So I went up about another 50, 100 yards up and he's walking. And when there's no tension in the leash, you know something's wrong. Like, if there's any sag in the leash, something's wrong. I'm like, man, this is weird. And I, and I knelt down again, and I said, and usually he just wants to go. And I said, Sven, and I went like this, and he came again, and he, just, and he likes to come in here and just lean his whole body on you. And he start, started looking at me, and I was like, well, man, what's wrong? And, um, and he doesn't like you picking up his feet. You got any dogs that are like, oh, just leave my feet alone. He just, he hates it, right, baby? He's just like, ah, you know, he freaks out. And so I'm, and I'm like, come on, and trying to get his paw, and I go to the other paw, and I feel under there, and I'm like, ah, I pulled out this thorn, one of those thistle, but it was like probably that long, and right into his tender part of his paw, and you could just, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, and he was, uh, it was interesting, because after that, obviously, he just started walking, and it was way better, right? And uh, the Lord showed me this morning, he's like, a lot of people, when, when they're going through suffering and that, um, they, they, what they need to do is run to the master, right? Right? And, and he did. Because we're so busy on our way in life, we don't ever want to stop and say, Father, I'm hurting. And we, oh, I'm hurting, but I want to do this. I'm hurting, but I need to keep going. Oh, I'm hurting, I need to stay busy. Oh, I'm hurting, I need to go do this or that to distract my hurt. And, and really the father's saying, no, when you're hurting, I want you to come to me. And then this is where Sven didn't, didn't get it right. He got that part right. He leaned on me, he, uh, and I knew he, something was wrong. But if Sven would have just laid down and surrendered, I could have checked all his paws right away. But because he fought me, didn't want me touching his feet, it made it harder, right? And, and then the Lord said, that's, that's what I want you guys to do. You guys get, you, you come to me, but you don't surrender your whole being to me. 
and you make it difficult for me to help you. And sometimes your suffering is just a matter of you coming and resting and surrendering and saying, Father God, Papa, inspect me. Something's wrong here. I'm not, I'm not working properly. And I might have stepped on something on the way and not even known. It might not have even been my fault, but I just stepped on it, and it's hurting me. Or it might have been something you recognize. You know, I did something I shouldn't have done, Lord, and, and I'm suffering the consequences. Will you, come and, will you come and heal me up and help me think differently because there's something I need to change up because where I walked, and he walked on a part that he never walks on, and he walked on a different side, and, and he got some thorns in there. And, and I think a lot of us, when suffering comes, The question is, what do we do about it? What do we do when it happens? How do we respond to that? And God wants us to respond uh, like Sven and even better than that. Rub up to your master. You know, know, remember the worship series we did? The the word worship has the roots in licking the master's face and hand. That's what worship has. It's the closeness in the face. It's the the dogs, they communicate and they want to get, if you get right, Sven will lick you. That's his form of, I love you, come close. That's how they communicate. And and the word worship has a lot of that in the root of it where God wants us to be right up in his face and loving on him and communing with him. And, and, and And God says, come close to me, worship me, get your eyes focused on me and completely surrender. And then I can help you out. Are you with me? So that's how, uh, that's a good thing to do when um, traumatic events happen. Um, you know, and as we're talking about suffering, I want you to remember a few things about this thing with Job. Um, it, remember in Job, um, I believe it's uh, three, after everything bad happens, remember, if you remember Job's, he starts complaining, right? So he did good at first, and then he started complaining, and uh, he, he questioned his own, remember he said, oh, God, curse the day I was born, I wish I was never born. Why did my mom even have me? And he's just, he goes off for a bunch of things. Like, Man, what happened? Which is normal. That's a, a lot of us respond like that. But I want you to know today, and there may be someone here today, when the trials come in your life, it's an easy attack of the enemy to get you to start questioning why you're even here. What's your purpose? Why are you even important? You shouldn't even been born. And, and yeah, he went strong into the fact of Man, he wanted to take his own life. I don't even want to exist anymore. And that's a pretty intense thing. But I know some people through suffering and traumatic events and hurtful uh, circumstances in life get to the point where they, they're not even sure they want to be alive. And I want you to understand that that's why we ought to be careful and, and, and uh, uh, pointed on getting close with Jesus because if we're not, we're going to allow those questions to arise in our minds, whether it's generated from ourselves or usually from the enemy, and the enemy will start speaking lies to you. Oh, man, man, this life sucks. Man, it'd be better just if you're dead. And you start hooking on to those thoughts and you start agreeing with them, and pretty soon you, you question your own existence. But suffering also causes us to get our priorities sometimes and our focus clear. You know, when Sven hurt his paw... <laughs> And I stopped, he came right over to me because he knew, well, wait, something's not right. I need to get my priorities and my focus clear um, on to Jesus. Hey, so let's look at, two, let's, let's close with a few lessons from Job and then we'll call it a day. Um, I want you to see in a few ways how Job responded because I think it's important as we face life trials that we learn how to respond correctly to things that are coming in our life. And no matter how bad they are, no matter how much they hurt, uh, we can learn a few things from, uh, from Job. The first thing I want you to remember, though, is about Job, is that Job was not sinless, okay? And if you, read, if you haven't read through Job, you wouldn't be aware of this, but if you have read through Job, it, the first few chapters that we read together in other places, it kind of makes it sound like Job was this pretty... Awesome. He was an awesome guy, good guy, but it kind of makes you think like he wasn't doing anything wrong, like he was a perfect guy. But we know in the whole context of Scripture that there is none righteous, no, not one, right? And, and John wrote in his in the book of First and Second and Third John that if you say there, you're, there's no sin in your life, you, you're basically you're out of your mind, right? Okay. So if you say you're no sin, you're, you're a liar. Okay, that's what John says. So we know on the context of Scripture that it would be impossible that Job would have a, uh, have a sinless life. So we got to understand that because when you read through it, it kind of has a context. Another thing I want you to remember, too, is that um, we, we do live in a world that's still under the enemy's partial control. And Job lived in, in a world that the enemy had a lot more freedom and reign and authority and power because Christ had not come and done the work of Calvary. So there, it was a different era of living so that, that um, obviously the enemy did a lot more to him than he is uh, able to do in the same ways that he can today. Um, 
Next, I want you to remember, too, that uh, the three areas of suffering that we talked about, suffering for Christ, suffering for our own stupidity, and suffering because we are living in a planet that is decaying, or, and or, we are living, we are in a war. Are you with me? We, and there's, there's casualties in war. And people get hurt and people die and stuff happens in warfare that we don't want to happen, but it is, it's the, the nature of war. And if you don't understand and believe that we're in a war, we'll just read Paul's writings and you'll find out very quickly that we are in a major spiritual battle. We are, we are to fight the good fight. We're to be soldiers of Christ. We're to put on the armor. We're to use a sword. I mean, man, I'm telling you, we are in a, we are in a battle and I know you know that. But remember those things as we talk about this. Lesson number one I want to talk about with Job is this. Be angry and sin not. When you're facing trials and suffering and tribulation, be angry and sin not. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, nor give place or opportunity or space to the devil. Very, very key important verse for warfare. But I want you to know that it's okay to be angry. And if you don't know that, know that and receive that today. You can be angry. And you can even be angry at God. That's okay. He's a big boy. You can handle it. He's not intimidated by you or your words. But he appreciates the honest and open heart because he wants, you, he wants to have a relationship with, that, with you like that. So be angry. In fact, angry is a good thing. Anger can help in a lot of cases, but there is a point where anger can come in and, and molds into sin, and you've got to be careful of that. Because you remember, in Job's uh, circumstance, he, he was angry. And had a, a right to be, right? I mean, gosh, look what happened to the guy. But I want, you to, I want you to notice that his initial response was inaccurate, but it wasn't sin. Look at Job 1.20. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshiped and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We haven't even have a song for that. And, and he was upset. He didn't know what to do. He just had been blasted. He's like, he just dropped to his knees. And even though what he said wasn't totally accurate, because it wasn't the Lord that took that away, Satan took that away. Yes, God allowed his he's omniscient. I think sometimes we use the um, sovereignty of God a little bit too liberally. Sometimes we use the sovereignty of God to get out of any talk of realizing what God's really like. Because it's easier. It's easier to just say, yeah, God's sovereign. Okay, yeah, he is. But he set up the word and, the, and our lives and the new church and all these things that he's done with his spirit in us to help us live a certain way. And I just want, I want you to think about that this week. I want you to think about how, how do I think about the sovereignty of God and do I use that as an excuse for allowing stuff in my life that God may, may not even want in your life? Think about that. But see, Job was ticked, obviously good. It was fine. God loved him. It was no problem. But at that point, even more so than today, no matter what happened in that day, it was all God. They didn't have the revelation. They didn't have the word of God. They didn't have the law. This took place before the law of Moses. So they had very, a lot less than us. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. They didn't have the illumination of the Spirit in your mind. They didn't, you know, a lot of different stuff. And so Job, in his day, everything came from God, good and bad and evil and everything in between. So it wasn't a matter, they, there wasn't a lot of knowledge about Satan. And remember, this was probably close to 2,000 years after Adam and Eve, even though they lived really long and the generations overlapped. So they had heard stories. Um, Job had probably heard the stories because he sacrificed, right? So Job made sacrifices. He brought his, the firstling of the lamb. So he knew the sacrificial system. There were some things handed down, but it was over time and over communicative time that through Adam all the way down to Job's era where, you know, things get lost. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the word of God that they'd go back and refer to. They had to go back and say, hey, Johnny, uh, what did Uncle Bob say again about Adam? And, you know, remember Satan that came in and ate the apple and stuff? Or was it an orange? You know, are you with me? Who knows how that translated over time and the stories got told to the kids and the grandkids. And there was, you know, um, probably 18 to 20 generations between these guys. So there was a lot. And that was some of those generations were huge because they lived to be 900 years old. So a lot of years had passed and Job didn't have what we have, but... You know what? He was able to be angry 
and be mad, and God is okay with it. And that's a good thing. I go down to, if you go into verse, uh, let's see, 1, go to Job 2, 7. That's his second time he gets beat up. So the Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with sores. Okay? Then he said to his, uh, verse 9, then his wife said to him, Don't, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we re- Mark, stop it. <laughs> Got to watch him. You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? Evil. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So even though he said something that was inaccurate, he wasn't sinning because he was just angry. He didn't understand what was going on. He's like, God, he thought God just made him sick. Because their thinking was, if you get sick, it's because you're evil. And you're doing something that's really bad, and, and you need to, oh man, something's wrong with you, right? It's okay to be angry. Tell God what you think. He can handle it. So our, our, one of our first lessons from Job is be angry and sin not. Don't be afraid to get mad when stuff happens, but make sure you don't go to bed and let that in, turn into something like bitterness, resentment, all that junk, because then it, then it will make you really bad inside. Lesson number two, watch your words. Watch your words. When you're in suffering mode, watch what comes out your mouth. I'm telling you, people have stuff happen to them, and their mouth gets them into so much trouble. They start saying stuff they shouldn't say. They start confessing stuff that they shouldn't be confessing. Guys, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James 3.10 says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. James is saying, you're having all these blessings and cursings coming out the same mouth. You shouldn't be doing that. Be careful what you say, because there's power in your tongue. And so when circumstances come that are difficult in your life, don't start confessing, oh yeah, God's mad at me. I, just, I guess I deserve it. I'm, I'm toast. I might as well just give up, and I, I might as well just go back to my old ways. Oh, man, I'm feeling, uh, even, even in sick, oh, I'm sick. Oh, man, I guess I'm sick. I guess I just have to put up with, no. Oh, man, I don't have a job, or, this per, or my relationship's going bad. I, I guess I shouldn't like anyone again, because, you know, every time I go into a relationship, it fails. Or I'll not, you know, are you with me? Yeah. yeah. So watch your words. The power of the tongue is important. Because, you see, Job, though he started out good, in one and two, he was angry. He was misinterpreting God a little bit, but he was saying he had a good heart. He was like, oh God, I, you know, I'm going to receive whatever it is from you. He loved God. But then later on, Job's mouth got him into some trouble. Let, let's take a quick look at what, a few things were what Job was saying about God. Now check this out. Matthew 7, 11, um, talks about if you being evil talking to fathers, if you evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does the heavenly father give good gifts? Okay, so how much more? So even us, we call this evil, us fathers who I know, uh, uh, I, I love my kids, I'll do whatever I can for them, and if me being evil would do great things for my kids, how much better would God be? So keep that in mind. And this is what Job is saying about Papa God. So he got a little twisted up, you know, he's, and one of his problems is he had three friends that didn't know what they were talking about, but, and we'll, we're going to talk about friends next, but watch your words. Look at Job 6.4, this is kind of interesting. This, so this is Job talking about God. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. My spirit drinks in their poison. The tares of God are arrayed against me. So Job's like, Man, God's out for me. He's out to get me. He's taking me out. He doesn't like me anymore. He's mad. Something's mad. Job 7.20. Have I sinned? What have I done to you, O watcher of men? Ooh, copping an attitude. Why have you set me as your target? So that I am, so that I am a burden to myself. A target? So, Father, you've targeted me. You're out to get me. 
it gets better. Uh, Job 16.9, he tears me with his wrath and hates me. You ever heard your kids say, I hate you, Dad? I had that a couple of times. I hate you. They're so mad. He, he gnashes his teeth, or gnashes at me with his teeth. My adversary sharpened his gaze on me. So he's calling God his adversary. He's against him. He's targeting him. Job 16, it gets even funner here. Job 16, 12, he says, I was at ease. So I was living a good life. I was having a good time. Had a bunch of money and friends and kids. and I was at ease. But he has shattered me. He, was also, he also has taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces. Wow, that's an abusive father. He has set me up for his target. His archers surround me. He pierces my heart and does, no, does not pity. He pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks me with wound upon wound. He runs at me like a warrior. I'm at war with God. That's a bad place. So Job, as he went in and his friends came and started accusing him of things that weren't right either, because I just want you to understand, at the end in Job uh, 38, 39, 44, 41, 42, God comes in and says, who are you speaking words without knowledge? He rebukes Job, right? And he rebukes his three friends to repent because they gave bad advice. So we'll get into that later because that's kind of a fun thing too. James 4, 6 says, but he who gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Job needed to humble himself when he didn't understand what was happening in a time of suffering and say, God, help me, I'm hurting. Just like Sven needed to roll over, put his paws up and let me take the thorn out, but he didn't want to humble himself. And so you get that attitude saying, oh, you must be against me. If Sven could talk, maybe he would have said, you're making me walk with a thorn in my paw. Or, or you're making me walk with a thorn in my paw. But we do that too with God, where God, you're, you're hurting. God's like, stop, listen, focus on me, surrender every part of your life, and let me heal you. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Guys, humility is the key in suffering. When we're suffering and when bad things happen, it is so easy to get angry to the point of, of sin. It's also, it's also easy to get to the point where you think you somehow be, have this right, righteous indignation in yourself going, man, I don't deserve this. You get all worked up. Humility is the key to getting out of a place um, of suffering when your words are taking you down. So be careful of your words. When you, hit it, when you hit suffering, make sure you're speaking God life over yourself and over your family and over your friends. Don't speak death, don't speak negative, and don't speak lies. I challenge you right now, be careful what you say because you will, you will feed the suffering by your words that aren't true. Job fed his suffering. I think Job lengthened the time of his suffering because he was so ticked at God, and he got more and more worked up. You know when something first happens, you know, you're dealing with it, and you're okay, but then after a few weeks, of, you're like, man, don't you care? And then you start getting worked up and mad. I think that's what happened with Job, where he just got worked up, and he started saying, God, you must be against me. You're, you're shooting arrows at me. You, you're, you hate me. You, wow, was he deceived. The enemy was still around, you know, to deceive. Hmm, think about that. Lesson three. Choose your friends wisely, and we'll close with this one. Choose your friends wisely. Surround yourself with good, godly people. When suffering comes, when trials come, when you're in a tough time in life, don't do life alone. That is the place the enemy wants you. He wants you to be isolated and alone so he can have his way with you. And if you do that, you're, you're opening the door. Get around people. Don't do it alone. Don't be by yourself People who be around people who love God and obey Him. Hang around people who meditate on the Word of God and will speak life over you, even though in your suffering you may not want to hear it. Come on, how many times we, you're sick and someone says, Come on, let's pray and believe? And you're like, I feel so bad, I don't know. Come on, when we're sick, it's harder to believe for healing, right? But don't be mad and don't get upset and don't reject that because when you're down, the rest of the body's supposed to pick you up. Right? If one part of the body hurts, we all hurt, so we're all coming to your aid. What happens when you get a cut in your arm? Your whole body runs to aid the part that's hurting. 
And that's how we need to be, church. But we can't say, no, 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 don't help me. We need to humble ourselves and say, no, no, I need friends. Please speak God's word over me. Even though I'm, I'm sicker than a dog or I have this going on, and I, I feel like I've tried and I'm trying to have faith and I feel like I don't have any right now, and sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but keep speaking God's word over me. Keep speaking God's uh, powerful faith word over me. Bad friends give bad advice. Ecclesiastes 4 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Don't be alone. So I want to give you a glimpse, and we'll, we'll close. This is crazy, and I honestly, when I read through this last season in Job, I've read through Job a bunch of times, I don't know if I just didn't read this or I just went through it, but check out Job's first friend, Eliphaz. And check where this guy is getting his information or his wisdom from. Check this out. Job 4, chapter 12. I mean, verse 12. Chapter 4, verse 12, Job. Now, I, so this is him speaking. He, he says a few things to Job, like you need to basically repent because you're screwing up. He says, verse 12, Now a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. In, disquiet, in disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me and trembling which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. Have you ever been so scared that your hair literally stands up? I, I remember, wow, I could tell you. I've had that happen. So it stood up. I stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying... Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If he, God, puts no trust in his servants, if he, God, charges his angels with error, hmm, who could that be? How much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before a moth, they are broken in pieces from morning till evening. They perish forever with no one regarding. Does, uh, does not their own excellence go away? They die without even wisdom. So here, this is a comforter of Job, guys. This is a friend, supposedly, of Job that's come, and he's sharing his insights with Job on why he's going through this suffering from a spirit, a demon spirit, that came at night and started speaking to him. Are you, look what he says in, when I said, um, if he, can a man be more, verse 17, can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If he puts no trust in his servants, he charges his angels with error. Who was charged with error? Satan. With pride, God cast them, him down and out from heaven. And I'm telling you, this guy's having a a, a vision at night, a dream where, and this is, this is if you've never heard of this, this, is, this does happen, where demons can come at night and, and give dreams, they can speak, they can appear in rooms, all that stuff. This guy had a spirit, an evil spirit talking to him, giving him wisdom, and he says, can mortal be righteous with God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? You're getting some bad advice. So be careful who your friends are because you don't know where your friends are getting their information. That's why I'm saying be careful, because Job had three friends. In fact, uh, God rebuked Eliphaz and his two other friends because they spoke without wisdom and knowledge. They spoke out of, out of, uh, of hell and flesh and the world system, not God's heartbeat. Okay, So be really careful who your friends are as we learned with Job, his very first friend had demonic influence in his life. You all have friends out there that are demonically influenced. I know that's a strong word, but it's, it's true whether you want to believe it or not. You have friends that may not know it,
but they are influenced by the demonic, the world system, the kingdom of darkness, and the way they operate and think. They're influenced by them, and you've got to be careful who you hang around with, because when you're in suffering, or you're in a trial or tribulation, the last people you need to hang out with are people that are demonically inspired from the kingdom of hell to try and speak wisdom and understanding and life into you. Are you with me how dangerous that can be? It's a very a volatile state when you're going through a suffering and you have someone uh, masked or uh, covered up pretending to be a good, good person, but they're getting their information from the kingdom of darkness. Are, are, do you receive that word? Are you with me on that word? That's a word for you guys when you're going through suffering. Be careful because that can, you can be led astray in a traumatic event like never before. So many people that I've prayed with over the years we can usually always go back and find out where the torment or the suffering uh, has started, and it's usually in a traumatic event. They got in a car accident. Their parents divorced. There, a big thing happens, and that's when the enemy comes in. You got to be careful who your friends are. Colossians 3.12 says this, Therefore, the, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Church, we need to hang around people that are going to be bearing our load with us, helping us carry burdens, helping us walk through life with the wisdom that comes from God, the encouragement from his word, and the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit being in a Christian believer. Are you with me? Okay. I hope these lessons uh, help you. Um, let's pray and ask God's um, seal on this. Father, we ask in Jesus' name right now, Father, that you would seal up these lessons from Job. Um, I pray during this week, Holy Spirit, that you would guide and direct our thoughts. Um, help us to um, be prepared. God, help us not to wait until suffering comes, but help us to be ready for it by pressing into your presence and, and, and being uh, devoted to you in, in our, our prayer times, God, and being close to you, God, because we want to, uh, Lord, just like Sven, Lord, we want to come up close to you and be near you and, and let you help us, Lord. You're the God that helps. You're the helper, God. You're the God who provides, Lord. You're the great healer, Lord. And so we need you and we cry out for you this morning. So we thank you, God, for all that you're teaching us, Lord, because we want to be uh, believers that have the fullness of you in us, Lord. And Lord, with every head bowed and eye closed, Lord, we just ask right now, uh, if there's anyone in the room today that would say, you know, Pastor Doug, I don't know Christ. Um, I don't, I've never surrendered fully to him, um, but I, I do, I want to, and I, and I just never have. And if that's you this morning, you would like to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life so that you could have that person to lean on, so that you could have the Holy Spirit to help you walk through the difficulties of life. And if you've never made that decision in your life before, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you say, Pastor Doug, I want to do that today, would you raise your hand up, and I'm going to pray with you after service, and we'll, we'll get a corner in the room, and we'll just pray that. It's a real simple way, uh, a thing to do, but it's just about surrendering to him. Is there anyone here this morning that would like to Call on the name of Jesus and be saved and be welcomed into the family of God. Is there anyone this morning? Just raise your hand up. Just give a few minutes here. Holy Spirit, would you reveal Christ right now to the hearts of your people, Lord? Yes. Well, Father, go with us. Go with your people. Help us to be uh, vessels uh, used by you, God, this week in our homes, in our workplaces, wherever we go. Let your light shine in and through us, and we'll give you all the glory for that, Jesus. We love you. In your name, amen.